0: Hello, my name is Dylan, and this is the Heroes of Reality podcast, a place where I interview heroes of reality, of life, science, technology, and more. And I share their stories, lessons, journeys, inspiring you to be the hero of your reality. And on today's podcast, I'd like to welcome Michelle Haddad. A former MMA fighter, a person who is focuses in outbound operations for startups. He's raised millions of dollars for his startups, and what he's currently working on is with John Chi over at Sonova Life, where they take adipose fat and then turn those into stem cells through a proprietary patented process, and then re it into your body in less than 90 minutes, helping you grow cartilage, and I'm sure all types of other things. He has some amazing lessons in this episode one of them and foremost being his lessons learned from being an mma fighter how you need to take the hits get rejected and keep coming because only beyond that rejection lies the success you really want so i'm very excited to have my friend michelle haddad hey mish hey buddy how goes it mr dylan watkins how are you i am excellent sir it is awesome to have you on today
1: pleasure being on
0: yeah brother so uh you've been uh a longtime friend of mine and I've known you for uh, how many years now it's been
1: eight years now man eight I years I remember seeing you for the first time in 2012 with a mohawk and an oculus on your head wondering who is this guy but I need to be friends with him so, <laughs> so it's funny how time flies
0: man. yeah we've been on a lot of adventures together um I would say that you know one of the first communities that we connected through was fast art studios Right.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the the OG crew of the the startup community in in Orange County. So it, it was good being part of Fast Start. So yeah, thank you, Michael Sawitz, for for putting us all together.
0: I know. I always feel that Michael's like the um, the 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 everyone's grandfather in startup land. You Definitely. Know? Yeah, the guy you can go around talk with and just get so many insights. It's beautiful. Um, what I really want to talk about this is you know this this is uh, Heroes of Reality. So we go around asking questions just stories, lessons, insights and just really figuring out kind of um, how did you kind of level up your game and probably really in the world of startup land because um, you didn't start out in startups. You started up in something different. Can you talk to us how that how you where you were and how you got here?
1: I have a really really weird background. So um, Let's see. After high school, I'll, I'll skip that part. Uh, I went to Cal State Fullerton, and my aspirations were to be a cage fighter for the rest of my life, or how long I could stay in the sport for. Uh, so th- throughout uh, my time at Cal State Fullerton, what I did is I worked as a kickboxing coach uh, an MMA coach. I ran the actual gym that I trained at, and I went to school. So I I studied business entrepreneurship, and I got punched in the face on the side, and. And uh, I went, I competed, I had three fights, and uh, after that I said, you know what, I don't think I'm gonna do this full time. Um, You know, I really like tech and science. I'm gonna half jock half geek so uh i just jumped in full blast into uh, the tech and science world and i loved startups i thought solving problems in the world was uh was my calling uh, around 26 27 years old so uh this is what i did at the time i was living with a bunch of my college friends in a house in Fullerton with a nice pool um, I saw that if I wanted to jump into the startup game that I I couldn't do it just kind of half-assed. So I took all my stuff, put it into my dad's place, and to save money so I didn't have to pay rent, I just kind of couch surfed. I lived at my best friend's house, my mom's house, my dad's house, my brother's, anywhere I could sleep for the uh, first couple of years until uh, I made it up to San Francisco and Silicon Valley for, for two years and we raised venture capital for my, my first company.
0: Yeah, brother. Yeah, definitely. When I think of you, what I think of as is, is almost a kind of um, a battle scientist You know, in terms of, you have a a unique ability that transitions from the world of MMA and being able to take a punch in the face, and be able to, whether it's a rejection um, from a customer or, or a rejection from an actual fist, and you're able to keep going through that until until gold happens. And that's something that I, I, I admire about you, I appreciate about you, and it's something that I've always tried to uh, learn from as, as we've gone through on our different adventures of entrepreneurship is, you know, how do you take those hits and keep on coming, right?
1: Yeah, so I I haven't found some magical silver bullet answer for that, but it is funny how the psychology of getting punched in the face physically and taking a loss in the startup world are are kind of the same. Um, The first thing is you have to get used to the feeling Mm. of of one, looking like a fool, and this is what I mean by that. Um, Let's say you're starting a marketplace startup, you're starting Uber, yeah. for example, okay? And you cold call a bunch of, let's say, limousine companies and let's say you call 10 of them and eight of them reject you and call you an idiot that's going to hurt your ego and your self-esteem a lot. But hey, you get up and you keep going. So um, metaphorically or whatever, that that's, that's taking a punch in the face in startup land. Uh, you have to do that a lot. Just walk into buildings and try to pitch a customer on your new product or service. Cold call and get rejected. Email and have someone kind of tell you off. You have to get used to that feeling. And guess what? It's going to happen less and less the more you do it, because you'll sharpen your skills.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, in terms of, because we call that uh, kind of like the first threshold guardian, right? You go up, you face it, you get your butt kicked, and then are you really committed to this journey? Are you willing to come back again and again? Can you tell me about the, your first threshold guardian with this type of um, uh, rejection?
1: Uh, yeah, let's see. Okay. So I was the VP of business development for a company called spending shift. So let me give some context to this. What they did is they took different companies, uh, that were on their platform and put them up. And whenever you'd buy from one of those companies on their platform, you could also donate a portion of the, the spend to a charity of your choice. Okay. (laughs) So what we had to do was get these different Restaurants and quick service uh, restaurants onto the platform. So I'd have to go door to door and pitch all these places to get on the Spending Shift platform. I remember the first restaurant I went into was some, some Italian place into Newport Beach. I walked in with a folder with like a grin on my face, ready to pitch them about Spending Shift and how they could help save the world and make money. And I remember the owner just ripped me apart. He's like, go to Zippa is it, down, get out of my restaurant restaurant right now and the whole restaurant looked at me and started laughing and i just wanted to curl up in a ball and just never step into the startup game again so i remember that was the first one but you know what you you get up you you do it again and it's fun and and out of the 10 times i'd go into restaurants maybe i'd get told off once or twice but the Mm. other eight they'd have a, a friendly conversation with me
0: well, talk to me about that because most of the time people get their butt kicked like that they're like "Whoo! I am never doing that again what is the mental dialogue in your brain like because you get that feeling right because uh, no sure. one likes that feeling but what do you what do you what are you feeling what are the, what are the stories you're telling yourself and then how do you actually get yourself to take that next step forward even though you got rejected and it hurts and it sucks
1: sure 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 so here, here's where I can't figure out that 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 silver bullet but I'll start with a quote that I got from Jordan Peterson. In order to be a master, you have to be willing to look like a fool. Mm. Uh, so I thought to myself, listen, if I'm going to get good at this, I have to be able to uh, to take those rejections and take the getting made fun of in the face because it's just my job. I'm a professional. Um, I just wanted to be the best startup entrepreneur ever yeah okay i want to be one of the best i wanted to be the next travis kalanick so i said hey this is part of the job deal with it if this is what you want go to the next restaurant and pitch them and guess what i did and we ended up getting i think 30 restaurants on our platform before Whoa. yeah 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 so uh so you like i said you go through through these rejections but you will learn with every single rejection and failure um so, so, so that's how you do it. You just have to get up and do it again. And guess what? It's just going to get better the more you do things like that. So, you know, cold email, cold call, go walk in, go door to door to places and start pitching people. That's fine.
0: In terms of you said you want to be the best ever. So you have a couple, probably a couple of um, entrepreneurs that you consider to be. Mentors or virtual mentors—people that you you look up to—and then you like you close your eyes and you go, "Okay, what would I do if I was him?" Who are those people and what are those lessons you've learned from <laughs> it's them? It's
1: funny—I've always wanted to be, be asked that question, so I'm glad you brought it up. All right, there are three people I admire in the uh, startup world, uh, virtually. Uh, the first is Travis Kalanick, the mm-hmm. uh, co-founder and previous CEO of Uber. Um, for anybody who are listening to this podcast right now, just just go. Google or YouTube, those that guy's interviews and listen to his story. He went through so many battles starting uh, companies like Red Swoosh and getting sued by everybody and getting screwed over by his teams, but he just kept going. And then to start Uber to start Uber was insane. He had to go against the taxi oligarchy, and it took a personality like that to start a company like that. So I look at his story, mm. and he is one of the best outbound entrepreneurs I've ever seen in my life. Um, just just amazing guy. So that's the first one. Yeah, well, with, with him, what are some
0: things that he did, or so some lessons or insights that you got from him that you, okay, he's the best outbound. What makes him the best outbound?
1: Okay, so uh, what makes him the best outbound? He's willing to take a punch in the face or a loss or some kind of failure and keep going. So when Uber first started, I remember he would just cold call. And hey, I gave this example before. He would cold call limousine companies to try to get on their platform. And I think uh, I forgot what the metric was. But out of 10 of them that uh, he called, seven of them rejected him. And three of them said yes. And that's when he knew he was kind of on to something. When it started for just like limousines before it came to kind of regular cars Uh driving uber um also let's see i'll probably mess up the story but when he started uh red swoosh it was some peer-to-peer uh file sharing company and i remember he got sued uh by 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 a lot of the the content creators for like the gdp of sweden which was like 250 billion dollars and he he got he Got taken to court, and then uh, one of his his investors, Michael Ovitz, basically uh, this this big shot in Hollywood, tried to strong arm him, arm him. And uh, actually, one of his his muscle guys kind of went and and threatened Travis Kalanick. Said, "Hey, if you continue this company." Uh, some bad things are going to happen. Just crazy story. Wow. He went through so many things, so many battles, and it really prepared him to start a company like Uber. Wow. Uh, because you know he's a fighter. That's that's just who he is. So I always try to emulate uh, kind of his path.
0: It's it's funny because when we get rejection, right? So often, I mean, we consider any type of social rejection, whether it's cold calling, door knocking, whatever, talking to a girl. We always equate that to to pain and death. Like, oh, they rejected me on the phone, so therefore I'm going to die. Even though it's not real, it's not true, and it doesn't. It's not a thing. We have that mental model often in our minds that that's that's the case. That's what's going to happen. But in in Travis's case, that really was he got strong on by guys saying, "Hey, if you do this, then you could end up in a in a bad situation." Um, how do you? I mean, I guess with you, I mean, because I think because you've been punched in the face before. And I mean, you, you realize that you're not going to die from the situation. I, are you, are you able to take that and be able to, to build upon it? Like in terms of I got punched in the face. So therefore I know that this social rejection isn't as painful or is it just as painful to get the social rejection, even though, um, you've been done MMA before,
1: uh, you know what, uh, it's, well, I'm going to kind of sound like a jock on this one. I'm going to take a weightlifting, uh, analogy, uh, It's like lifting weights. Uh, You keep lifting the same weight and the weight doesn't change. You just get stronger and Mm -hmm. you get more used to it. That's the same thing with with doing outbound stuff in startups. For every rejection or pitch to a VC that rejects you, you kind of... you calibrate the pain. Okay, it's painful at first, and then it gets less painful, and then it gets less painful, and then you just kind of accept this is part of the game. And hey, the successes come too. Let's not forget that. You know, yeah. you keep going and you keep learning. That's the the key word there. You're you're gonna have successes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. By the way, did you want me to mention the other two entrepreneurs? Yes, I do. My, yeah. I don't know if I should still have that in the back of my no, head. I do want you to go next. Okay. I, just,
0: I wanted to dive a little mm-hmm. bit deeper in tra- Travis's because that whole thought of sure. of actual threatening to get pain. I was like, wow. Very rarely have I heard in the startup space someone actually getting threatened with with some sort of pain or harm when it usually just psychological or, or social and not nothing about the actual physical so i was just curious about that <laughs> yeah but yeah please hit the other two
1: okay so the other two um Elon Musk. Yeah, uh, you know what? I think I just kind of he's he's a god amongst men in that way where he could be the CEO of how many companies? Tesla, SpaceX. Uh, I think Solar City and Neuralink. Oh, and don't forget
0: the under the tunnel one, Boring Project. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, the Boring Project making yeah. flame throwers and 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 tunnels um just uh that level of genius i'm just kind of in awe about um but is he too much of a superman do you know what i'm
0: saying in the sense of like when you see superman do a heroic feat like you know fly around the sun and back you're like great i'm not superman i'm not an alien right i don't but is is he is he relatable enough to be something that you
1: would i was just gonna bring that up that is a very good point he seems like such an outlier that it's like i don't know what lessons i could extract for you from you because you're just on another level yeah, but uh, it's still fun to watch and it's still someone I, I really look up to so Elon Musk he, he is amazing
0: Yes, I, I absolutely agree with you that the whole his ability to not only have the foresight and the vision and the biz dev things but the, the, the both balls and brains you know he puts it all on the line blows up Spaceships or, or uh, trying to trying to make it happen, you know, it was like hundred million dollars a pop or something like that.
1: Yeah, something insane. It was like sixty five million dollars for for every rocket they they'd build. I, I forgot what the number was. But and he,
0: he grabs then he grabs um, you know uh, software uh, guys that he works with, and he can get down into the basic physics and the code of it. it says, "Hey, break this down for me." Like the, to have that range of personality, it's it is inspiring, a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing I actually did learn from Elon Musk that a lot of people could relate to um, the way he thinks. Uh, he he basically. Base basis is thinking off something called first principles. First principles thinking, um, and first principles is something that quantum physicists came up with um, to kind of understand how quantum physics works. So he uses that for all his entrepreneurial endeavors. So basically, you don't you don't liken any of the circumstances to some metaphor or an analogy. You take it for what it is plainly and you go from there. Um so you you just question a lot of things from the actual basis of everything and you start up. I know very Can you give ethereal. me an example of that? Um let's see. <laughs> no, not off the top of my head. So so let's come back to that one okay, while, yeah. while I think of it so sure, so totally. I don't botch it.
0: I've heard of first principles but I haven't really applied it in my own my own school of thinking, but I, I think it has something to do and we can, we can come back to it around like the ground truth, like the basis of like, what is like, these are the hard facts. Is that, is that right? Uh,
1: Precisely. So I I think this is how Elon Musk kind of, uh, kind of used, uh, for first principles thinking uh, when he was starting Tesla, I think everybody told him, Hey, you know, uh, battery energy is too expensive. Uh, that's why your company will never work. And he looked into, what made batteries very, very expensive um, from a first principle standpoint and just took it at what is, and it showed him what the actual reality of the situation was, and he was able to kind of go around that and make uh, battery energy feasible to then create Tesla. So he didn't say, hey, well, the battery industry is like this or that Or he didn't kind of equate it to anything. He just looked at it for what it is, not relativistically to anything. What's beautiful about that is
0: that, so there's the... There's There's um, my
1: example, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) Thank
0: you. But when we think about that, when you say that is, you know, there's this... Ground truth of you know we're going to design something from the from the, from the ground up. This battery technology. There's an assumption uh, that says you can't do this with this battery technology. But he goes, we're going to redesign it from the ground up. The same thing he did with rocket ships and batteries and and these other technologies to actually make it work and make it feasible. And what's beautiful about that is when he the way that he operates as an entrepreneur is he looks at what is this big long-term goal and he is just focused on rapid growth and hyper-creation and value-add, right? So I'm gonna design something from the ground up and I'm gonna move towards this goal. And so he goes, I'm gonna make this as valuable as possible. He doesn't do it from the fear mindset of, well, my game plan is to lock everybody out by having my patents and restrict anybody from this. He goes, no, I have a big goal and I'm going to move towards that goal as fast as possible. And if anybody else wants to, or gets in the same space, jump on me, I'll, I'll release my patents. I'll make it available, you know, Ford, Toyota, whoever you are, here's my patents, go for it. Keep up if you can, because I have a goal and let's all move towards that goal together, which is an amazing kind of like unified thing of I'm going to lead from the front with this big goal. And vision and I'm gonna do it additively versus I'm trying to I'm trying to carve out my niche so that I can create massive wealth for myself.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was great how he did that. He basically saw that we are all on this ship that is sinking and uh, we're all gonna kind of drown, so hey, why not kind of uh, open source all my patents and, and have everybody share on the wealth for the greater good of humanity? Yeah. That was amazing.
0: Yeah, plan one, plan two. Plan two, fix this earth, plan two move to another one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just amazing. So so that that's my, my number two, even though uh, other than the first principles thinking I, I can't really extract that kind of genius and and use it for anything but uh i feel you on that 100% amazing. yeah so um I guess. What's your third one? My third one. Okay, my third one, and the most influential person on me in the startup game is Paul Graham, mm. uh, the co-founder of Y Combinator, which I'm happy to be an alumni of. Um,
0: Can you explain what Y Combinator is? All right,
1: so this is what Y Combinator is. Y Combinator is uh, the most prestigious accelerator or incubator um, in the world. So uh, I guess maybe I should explain what an accelerator or incubator is. Uh, usually an accelerator or incubator is... Um, A collective of very successful entrepreneurs with lots of experience and connection. And what they do is they handpick different startup ideas and the entrepreneurs behind them. And they put them under their umbrella or take them under their wing for a certain amount of time. And they give them advice on how to properly launch their companies. They connect them to other people in their community to help them out. And it's kind of a uh, fast track to meeting different angels and investors. And plus, you have their stamp of approval. So so it makes that whole fundraising process uh, a lot easier. And just the community in general of being part of an accelerator or incubator, is, is it's hard to even quantify. Yeah. So it's great.
0: In terms, because you've been a part of the Fast Art Studios uh, incubator system, you've got you've been a part of several different ones.
1: Can I you, certainly have. Can yeah. you
0: talk about the different ones, the different qualities that they have, and maybe some like. Uh, lessons or thoughts that you had about each one of them as you've gone been a part of them okay so uh, let me
1: let me lay it out I guess Uh, I've been a part of a couple accelerators or incubators so first I started a company called uh, called Aqua Cloud Mm. in 2000 2000, uh, 2013 2014 Um, and I was under two incubators for that one the first was Fast Start Studio Mm -hmm. in Irvine California Um, and what I got out of that one was kind of the bare essential. Of how to start a company from nothing. Basically how to do customer development, um, how to actually launch a product with your first couple company with your first couple customers, uh, how to get feedback and iterate on the product, etc. How to kind of recruit a team. It's the bare essentials. That's what Mm -hmm. Fast Start Studio in Irvine gave me. Um, So for that same company, AquaCloud, we also were under another accelerator, uh, an incubator in in San Francisco, San Francisco called Leminos Labs. It's purely a hardware incubator. And I mean... The talent that they recruit is just second to none. You're, you're with a bunch of Harvard and MIT uh, PhDs and engineers, and it's crazy. And and that's when things got, got real for me. So I moved up to San Francisco when we were accepted by Lumnos Labs mm-hmm. at the end of 2014 and stayed under their wing uh, until I think middle of 2016. Um, And that's where the lessons of how to raise venture capital really came in and basically what it means to be a startup entrepreneur really kicked in. Because uh, for that company and through Lemnos Labs, uh, we we were able to raise just shy of $2 million. How do you raise venture capital? Okay, (laughs) man, we could spend about three hours (laughs) on that topic. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll start it with... um, how to raise a seed round. Okay. Okay. Because how you raise a seed round versus how you raise a series A and a B round, et cetera, is there's kind of different nuances to each. So Mm. we'll go with the seed round from from the bare essentials. Um, It takes a couple things. First, the story on why you started the company. The team on why you're the people to do it uh, what kind of traction you have to show that this is promising, how big the market is right now and how you are going to position yourself to take over and the product? What's so unique about your product? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what you really want to hammer whenever you're pitching for investment. Um, now once you have those five essential things down, um, this is kind of, uh, how you, you get and plug yourself into the world. Um, So the good thing about being up in Silicon Valley in San Francisco Mm -hmm. is everybody helps out everybody. So so let me put it into a little bit more context. This is uh, this is when you have a community of people surrounding yourself. Uh, So when we were in Lemnos, all the other portfolio companies, we asked for introductions to different angels and VCs that had invested in those companies. Mm -hmm. So that is the best way to kind of uh, get introductions to different different VCs and angels is by knowing that the companies that they invested in Guys, okay,
0: okay. so w- now are those companies have similar technologies as you so hey this is a um a stem cell company and so therefore they can invest in that type or is it just it just any type of warm referrals to start with
1: uh you know what okay so this is what you, you want to do I'll, I'll break it down even more um <laughs> You want to go on either Crunchbase, or PitchBook, or AngelList, and you want to look at companies that are kind of in your space, whether it's MedTech, or IOT, or something like that. Uh, And you want to see what VCs have invested in those companies, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, Once you find one of those companies that you know, that uh, one of those VCs or angels that invested in, you ping one of those companies and you're like, hey, since we know each other and you know what we're up to and you like what we're doing, uh, let me shoot you a, a little blurb of what we do. Would you be willing to forward it to uh, this VC or angel that invested in you? Mm. So you shoot that to the company. The company shoots it to their investor. And if they're interested, they'll ask for a coffee meeting or for you to meet at their office. And then you pitch them in person so they get to know you a little better.
0: Got it. Got it. So, now,
1: so th- let, let me let me caveat everything. Sure. That method works really well in a place like Silicon Valley, or if you're just like connected into that startup scene in SF or uh, SV. Um, I feel like I should kind of lay out how how you do this if you know no one and you're not in a startup hub. Um, let me know if you want me to go into that. Yeah, go for that. Okay, so. Cold emailing uh, investors and angels is is really a good skill to have if you you don't have a community of other startup entrepreneurs around you. So you want to do the same thing I mentioned before. You want to go on Crunchbase or AngelList Mm -hmm. and look up as many companies that are similar to you or adjacent to you in your space uh, and look at what VCs or angels kind of uh, invested in them. And and do this for for like hundreds of companies. You really want a big sample size. Um, then go on LinkedIn and find one of those VCs or. angels and scrape their email now if you guys don't know how to scrape emails just just youtube how to scrape emails that's that's a skill you must know as a startup entrepreneur okay and then you're gonna cold email them uh basically saying hey i saw you invested in this company this is what we do this is our traction this is why our team is qualified to to make this company happen are you interested in a conversation we're raising a round That's how you do it if you want to go cold. Now, not everybody's going to answer you, but let's say you email 100 VCs and angels. Mm -hmm. You get a 20% conversion, so 20 people actually message you back. That's a pretty good start. What do you think
0: is a typical conversion for emailing to? Oh, man, I haven't really
1: (laughs) measured that, so I don't have my own metrics to kind of uh, go into, but... But uh... not, not, not not
0: quite twenty percent, maybe. Yeah, not yeah. quite
1: twenty percent. Just yeah. to start off with something and test it's, it out.
0: Sure. Well that makes a lot of sense because yeah, not everybody, you know it is great if you're a part of a community, but sometimes, you know, a lot of times on the journey of life, right, you start at one community that doesn't have anything to do with what you're interested in. So you set part and you and you go off to go find another place that of more like minded people where you can learn from them, level up, and then set off on your own again, right? Almost like a an oasis of a community that you can kind of learn from and then go and take some more steps forward onto another path, right? So maybe you do start somewhere where you don't really, you know, you're from some small town somewhere where nobody does the startup scene, they don't speak the language, they're not part of the Mecca that is San Francisco. You got to start cold and kind of you know yeah you know do that framework until you can find a group of people. Now maybe that's maybe that's in person, which would be great, and you can all bunk together, which would be awesome. Or it's just online where you find nexuses of people. So, are there any places online that people could go to find communities of people like this that would allow you to kind of start to cultivate that community that you're looking for to level yourself up in the startup game?
1: Yes, I mean, listen, there's the typical ones like Meetup.com. There's definitely startup uh, meetups in, in all sorts of cities, even if they're not. Here huge mm-hmm. so that's the first one um i will make a plugin for hacker news that's basically reddit that's y combinators version of reddit mm. um for for startup and hackers got it so hacker news definitely go on that one um let's see what other ones come up uh let's see i think Slashdot is pretty good for for different startups Slashdot. Options. yeah yeah i'm not too familiar with it but it's been recommended uh to me okay. a lot so okay check that one um, in terms of the
0: community talk, you were talking about Luminous Labs and learning how to raise venture capital. Yes. Right? And then from there, you went on to what other...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So... Um- backtracking a little bit um so for AquaCloud, i went through fast Start studio and lemnos labs uh after i was done with with that company uh i came back down to southern california and uh came on as a co-founder with one of my best friends john Chi, and started the company i have now synova life sciences what does that do What Synova Life Sciences does is we make a device that extracts stem cells from adipose tissue, from fat. So we get 30x more cells, excuse me, 2 to 3x more cells 30 times faster, Mm. and they're healthier stem cells. And what we do with those stem cells is we re-inject them where there's arthritis or a tear, or we could actually, which we'll be doing later on, growing organs with them. So uh, for that company, I went through Stanford StartX, which I'm happily a part of that community, and Y Combinator. How
0: did you join those communities? <laughs>
1: okay, so um, I'll start with how we got into uh, Stanford StartX. Yeah. Um, so for Stanford StartX, it's 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 a nonprofit. They 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 don't take any equity. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're part of their 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 program and their, their community. Um, you have to have a Stanford a Stanford affiliation, whether you have an advisor or one of your co-founders. In my case, John Chi is a Stanford alumni. Mm. Um, so that's how we qualify to interview. So Thanks. you fill out the application, you do a team video, um, and then you go up to Stanford's campus and you sit down and you get interviewed by a couple panelists on, hey, uh, what are you guys doing? Why is this important for the world? Uh, how do you guys know each other? And, um, they basically yeah. try to ping you with different questions and see if, uh, if you, you look promising. So I remember me, John and our operations officer, uh, Rob Kent, uh, went up, interviewed, we did very, very well. And they said, Hey, congratulations. You guys just got into Stanford Stardex. So uh, wow. that, that's the, the skinny on, on how we got into, uh, to Stardex. Wow.
0: Okay. So they, so with that, they have to have a Stanford, uh, alum with you, which which is a very helpful thing.
1: Yeah, some kind of affiliation with Stanford.
0: Got it. What about uh, Y Combinator?
1: All right, so that that was a roller coaster. Um, so let me, I'm, I'm going to backtrack on this too. So with Y Combinator, me personally, I've interviewed with YC four times, twice with <laughs> Aqua Cloud, and we got rejected twice. And for Snowball Life Sciences, we we interviewed twice as well, and we didn't get in the first time, and we got in the second. So I'll go over that that story. Uh, so when I moved back down from Silicon Valley to San Francisco and started this with John, uh, I said, "Hey, uh, we should definitely check out Y Combinator. They're they're really ramping up their biotech and life sciences program. Uh, let's let's do this. What do you think?" It's always been my dream to. To, to be a part of that community. As I mentioned, Paul Graham is, is the most influential person on mm-hmm. uh, in my startup life. So let's interview. So um, we filled out the application. We talked to a couple Y Combinator alumni who recommended us and boom, we got the interview. So what Y Combinator does is they, they pay for your flight and board up to Silicon Valley and um, you schedule a date and a time to interview. So it's a 10 minute interview interview literally there you walk into a room sit down there's a table there and the y accommodated partners on the other side and the first thing they ask you is so what are you guys making and you have to very concisely explain what you are doing in two to three sentences uh so when we first did it um we 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 got rejected. I remember uh, me and John walking down the streets of of Silicon Valley, uh, waiting for an email or a call. So, um, and you know, I was also reliving the PTSD of getting rejected two times before from YC. (laughs) So I was like, please, not a third time. Um, So, this is how it works, by the way. If you get an email, that means. You did not make it into Y Combinator. And they give you the reasons why. Uh, If you get a phone call, that means you did make it into Y Combinator and they tell you what the next steps are for getting into the batch. So I remember when uh, I interviewed the first time for Synova Life Sciences, uh, me and John were just uh, holding our phones, praying to all the startup gods that we did not (laughs) get an email. And I remember, sure enough, our phones buzzed, and they said, "Hey, we're gonna pass on you for 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 this round." Um, we thought one that you should be making a device you should be a brick and mortar company and start uh stem cell clinics and two we just think you wouldn't get into market quickly Mm. so i remember i was devastated devastated because the energy and time going into like making an application for y combinator is just uh it's a lot yeah um So fast forward two years later, John and I are still still doing this. Um, I remember one of my friends, Dilip Malave, uh, pinged me and was like, hey, there's this company coming out of Y Combinator called Forever Labs. What they do is they bank stem cells for people. Uh, You should hit them up. So I was like, oh, I definitely should. Uh, they could be a customer of ours. We could extract the stem cells for them, so they could bank it. So I remember Mark Hatkowsky, the president and chief science officer of Forever Labs. I watched his talk at Google uh, the whole way through, and uh, I cold emailed him and said, hey, I saw your uh, your your talk at Google, and that you guys are banking stem cells. Well, check it out. We make a device that uh, extracts stem cells from adipose tissue, and we get two to three times more cells, thirty times faster. He said awesome let's uh go ahead and hop in a call so we hop in a call we give him more detail on what our product does and uh at the end of the call he's like yeah yeah let's uh let's pilot with you guys and let's do this we're like yeah awesome oh by the way i saw that you went through uh y combinator in 2017 is that true he's like yeah uh you guys should definitely try for y combinator we're like oh yeah we did and we got rejected he's like listen don't worry uh do it again So we're like, "Uh, all right, let's do it. So we do the same song and dance where we make the the application happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we got recommended very highly by different biotech founders. And sure enough, we got an interview. So uh, me and John uh, did it again. We flew up to Silicon Valley and got some airbnb and uh we went and interviewed again and uh at this point john and i have been working with each other for what like three years uh we just know each other so well so we killed the interview uh we just did so so well uh john i remember took the device Put it on the table and everybody gathered around it. And he explained exactly how that the uh, the stem cells were extracted from the adipose matrix. It was great. And then when it came to the business development side, he just handed it off to me. And I told them how we had all these LOIs and doctors and why people like us more, etc. And at the very last minute, uh, I said, "By the way." one of your companies is our customers forever labs like oh what why do they want to use you guys and i told them why they're excited about uh being one of our pilot customers so it's a 10 minute interview it's done in a flash uh so john and i do the wait again where we're either waiting for (laughs) an email of rejection or a phone call to say we're in the batch uh so i remember we got out at like i don't know like noon and we were not getting an email or a phone call. And it's about nine o'clock at night, and nothing, mm-hmm. nothing is happening. And we're getting on a plane to fly mm-hmm. back to uh, to Southern California, and right when I'm about to put my phone on, on, on airplane mode, mm-hmm our phones buzz and I get an email and I'm about to just like go into cardiac arrest. I'm like a fourth (laughs) time I get rejected from Y Combinator. I cannot believe it. I open up the email and it's Jared Friedman. And he says, Michelle and John, we'd like to invest in you, but we just want to make sure the device works. So you mentioned you have a pilot with forever labs. We want them to fly out from Michigan to your lab And just test out a sample. And if they give us the thumbs up, you're in. We're like, absolutely. (laughs) So, like, there's this glimmer of hope, right? So, I take a screenshot of that email and I shoot a text to Mark Katakowski. I'm like, what do you want to make this happen? He's like, next week, I'm flying into Southern California. Uh, Let's let's check out your device. I know we're one of your pilot customers. Uh, If it works, uh, you're in. So cool. So um, I hustled to, to get a sample of liposuction fat from uh, a nearby plastic surgeon. Oh my God. I remember we were just sweating to get this sample of fat for for, for Mark Kutukowski, who's coming to check out our device. So we get the fat. Uh, Mark comes to the lab, we all code up. John runs the fat sample through our device, and basically, the moment of truth is uh, Mark has to check out the sample underneath a microscope. And if he sees a mononucleated cell or a stem cell, he gives us the, th- the thumbs up, and we're in Y Combinator. So uh, he takes the sample and he puts it in the Pichu dish and looks under the microscope. And I'll just never forget, I took a picture of this when he's like, oh, there's a stem cell there, there's a stem cell there, so there's a stem cell there. And I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? Are we in or are we not? And then he gives me the thumbs up. He's like, you guys are in. I'm texting Y Combinator right now. So he texts the partners and uh, sure enough, I get a phone call and it says, welcome to the batch. We happen to have you in. And boom, after Yay. four tries, that's how we got into to YC. So there you go. Tenacity. I know. De- <laughs> it, was, it was definitely perseverance. So talking about getting punched in the face getting rejected from YC three times was definitely uh, my version of getting punched in the face epically.
0: And what do you think your um, startup superpower is?
1: All right. um, So I'm definitely the outbound guy out of any operation. Uh, When it comes to customer development, Sales, business development, raising venture capital, etc. Uh, my track record kind of indicates that that I'm that guy primarily. Mm-hmm. On the technical side of things, I'm now trained as a lab tech, so I do work in the lab and I have a quasi technical background in, in machine learning. So go quick. Coursera. Definitely if you want to get into the machine learning world, I highly suggest Andrew Ng's was... course. So so yeah, for those non-technical people out there, if I did it, you can too.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So you finally get the join white comment. Very happy for you, brother. and um, you went through the whole course and curriculum in the cohort. Um, going through that, because I mean, they are the top of the top. Um, I guess what were some, I mean, some, some lessons you got from actually being a part of that community? What are some, what are some things some takeaways that you actually got, um, from being a part of them and, and being a part of that community?
1: Yeah. There are a lot of, I'd say micro lessons on, well, how to raise venture capital again. Yeah. Um, how to manage a team, when to hire, how to manage your burn rate, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um a big one that they teach you in YC is um is how to handle conflict with your co-founders and uh Amy Bushler uh is is a specialist she's part of YC. They share. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I don't want to completely uh ruin this so so I'll say <laughs> Google Amy Bushler Y Combinator. Uh basically it's it's all about it comes to this communication. Um and I you know that sounds really, really cliche, but the more you communicate kind of your frustrations and what you're worried about with your co-founder and vice versa, uh, what you're doing is you're airing out any chances of resentment to build up. OK, coming from a, a, a guy who's been ha, had blow ups on teams, uh, resentment is the worst thing for a co-founder for, for a co-founding team. Um, so what YC does is basically teach you how, how to really manage those 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 feelings and, and, can you and problems me, can, you're going to go through with, with your co-founder.
0: Yeah. Can you walk me through a, like a tactical practical, almost like an example of, okay, your co-founder does something and you're like, er, you know, you get that feeling of frustration, right? Do you have a, do you have a, a way to bring that up a way to approach that? Some sort of mechanism that allows you to, to open up the conversation versus, you know, um, one keeping it in or doing it in such a way that it doesn't get received well.
1: Um, let's see. So first thing is you want to take them to the side. You don't want to like kind of uh, vent on them in front of other people on what problem you're having. Because the last thing people want to happen is, is to to look kind of uh, belittled in front mm-hmm. of other people. So you really want to take them to the side if you, you have a problem. That's the first thing. First, uh, try not to blame. Kind of point out that, hey, when when this kind of thing happens or when this you do something like this... This is how it makes me feel.
0: Got it. So it's not so it much like it's your. It
1: sounds very juvenile, but that's, it works. It's, it's nonviolent it, communication. Great it, book, by the
0: way. Yeah. Nonviolent communication is a great book. That whole, this is how it makes me feel. It's funny though. Cause as guys, we're not supposed to share feelings, right? <laughs> there's this underspoken thing of like, I can't say that you, what you did had an effect on my feelings or that you hurt my feelings. There's like, there's a thing that guys are only allowed to feel two feelings. I'm good and I'm angry. Right. And most of the time we're not even allowed to feel I'm angry. So most of the time people go, how are you doing here? Like, I'm good. I'm good. And that, that builds up inside of you. Right. So how do you, I mean, do you guys do like All right, group yeah. Kumbaya sessions or do you only do it when it comes up? Like, how do you, how do you practice that emotional no, range? So
1: a good tactic. And, and I like this. You're, you're teasing these lessons out of me. Um, a couple times a week, mm-hmm. you and your co-founder, go out to dinner or coffee or something like that and try not to talk about work or if you're going to, just, just like air out whatever your problems are and just kind of hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing YC recommends, uh, get like a life coach or a business coach or a therapist. That is absolutely fine. There are so many elite entrepreneurs I know up in Silicon Valley and down here that have therapists. It's mm-hmm. just so hard. This game is so hard. It's filled with getting punched in the face, disappointment, etc. Uh go ahead and, and seek out help. You and your co-founder and feel free to bring them into those sessions. Yeah. And Th- you know, just in general, well, this is this goes back back to picking a co-founder. Pick someone that you have fun with it's too much of an emotional roller coaster find someone not just for their technical skill but for that emotional support that you have good times with um it it's just too hard you, you can't do it with someone you don't enjoy like dylan you and matt Kinney are have been best friends since you're 15 i doubt you guys would have uh, lasted this long if you don't didn't enjoy these each other's company
0: yeah there's always roller coasters right as you go yeah. through it but the ability to have a, a lifelong partner that's a friend is absolutely critical because you can you can learn skills you can develop things you can you can you can you can You know, grow as people, but that whole friend connection is something that is um, difficult to cultivate. If you are already at odds with each other, you you can you can work on becoming friends with people. But if you already have that friendship, it's my my dad um, taught me this one lesson about being with women. He goes, he's like, love's good. He goes, find a woman that you're gonna like. He's like, if you like lasts a lot longer than love, right? Because lo, like liking someone is deep. Love is there's a lot of terms of it and range and a lot of things, but it's a it's a fleeting emotion that will will come and go with with passion, right? But if you deeply like someone, you will, it will that will stand the test of time.
1: Oh, uh, absolutely. That's great advice. I I guess I'm going to steal that that little piece (laughs) of wisdom from your father. Um, Also, circling back, so if anybody's listening to this and thinking it's like platitudinous, uh, mushy stuff, the number one thing, Y Combinator, Stardex, Lemnos Labs, Mm. all these VCs and angels look for is how your team dynamic is with your co-founder, okay? When you are interviewing and pitching to different VCs, they are seeing how you interact with your co-founder. That is the number one thing they're looking at. And there are so many many little tells Mm. that give red flags to them on whether you and your team get along or not. They could sniff this out. That is the number one thing they're looking for. Then comes what you're doing in the startup world. Some company,
0: I don't remember who... Uh, they do an interview and then they do an interview for like a software position and afterwards it ends and then they take you out to dinner and then they look the way that that person treats the waiter when he's not being interviewed and they go, oh, okay, that's the that's the type of person who, that's the way you treat people when, you know, they have no power over you and that's when the real interview begins. So I feel like that's similar, but more of a team. It's very, dynamic.
1: very similar, but yeah, Super. but with a team dynamic, I think.
0: A uh, question for you, um, There's a term called belly of the whale. Okay. And, and the hero's journey, it's when the hero feels like they're going to die. It's it's when it is, it is when something happens where they feel like they're, they're about to die and then, and then they're, then they're able to get reborn and become anew. uh, do you have a time that you can think of in your startup history where you felt like you were in the belly, belly of the whale, where you felt like you were going to die and then you were reborn through that action?
1: Absolutely. All right. Um, so as I mentioned, I started a company with two of my friends called AquaCloud. What mm-hmm. we did was we made a device that went into water and it streamed the uh, the water chemistry to an iPhone twenty four seven. Um we sold that to different government agencies so they can monitor the water. So just some context for the story. Mm-hmm. Uh that's the company I, I I raised just shy of two million dollars for. Um and, you know, this is good because it t- ties back into team dynamics. So I love that company. We had uh, Orange County as a customer, San Diego, Contra Costa, uh, Palo Alto, etc. cetera. It was my baby. I remember my two friends at the time uh, didn't want to continue the company. and They wanted to take the money that we raised and start a food delivery startup with it. Um, and the team was blowing up. Uh, and I basically got pushed out. And I remember I, I lost everything, all the customers I worked for, all pitching to all the VCs that gave us money that believed in us. And I went from the top of the mountain in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, back down to Orange County and moved back in with my dad. I remember it was the most humiliating thing ever. And I thought I I just, I wouldn't be able to get back up again. I thought that was the end Mm -hmm. and I would go and have to get some, some some salary cubicle job, and I just was not cut out for it. Um, I, I, this is a real thing, and I feel like I'm, I'm opening up to you right now, Dylan. Um, Thank you I remember that. I was I was depressed for, for, for a year because of that. Um, so that's when I thought it was the end. Um, because I had worked so hard to, to make it up there, to, to get all these customers to do all that. Uh, I was living from couch to couch and finally I had a salary and a place of my own and I was in the top of my field and yeah. then it got all taken away from me. I re- remember thinking just, uh, I didn't know what to do with my life after that. How would I ever make it back up to Silicon Valley in San Francisco? Um, there's no way I could do it twice. Yeah. Doing it once was hard enough. I didn't think I could do it again. Um, that was the worst time um, now luckily with the help of my friends you included and John Chi we, we we started this and hey made it back up there got into Y Combinator and it all worked out And uh, because of that because I fought through that depression through that pain through that despair um, you know once you get through something like that it, like, no one can take it away from you um, you're so much stronger because of it and yeah, if I did it once, I didn't think I could do it twice, but then I did it twice. If I could do it twice, maybe I could do it three times if, God forbid, this blows up. Yeah. Or fourth time. And you know, when you, once you get that kind of confidence, um, I, I got to tell you, it's 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 more precious than jewels. Um, so anyway, to, to answer your so question. Thank you for
0: uh, sharing that. that. Yeah. And uh, the, when you and however the struggles go through, I go like, you know, the the greater the struggle, the greater the story, you know, the, the greater the transformation of the hero or the person that's leveling themselves up for lack of a better term. And, you know, that unless you recover from a situation like that, cause you could have just walked away, you could have got a cubicle job, you could have said, this is too hard, I quit. But, but being able to do that, you, you've transformed uh, not only your, your experience, but your belief in who you are and what you're capable of. And that's the whole belly of the whale situation is that in order for the the, the, the the hero on the journey to be able to defeat that dragon, they've got to level up past. they got they got to stop. they got to sacrifice who they are for who they're going to become, Yeah. right? And so that new belief pattern you have now of being able to, if I did it once, I can do it twice. I can do it twice. I can do it a third time. And then nothing... You you can't take that away, right? Investing in, in having that experience and that belief in you it's it's now it's a part of you.
1: Yeah. 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 It's definitely an experience. I wouldn't trade as much as it hurt. I I wouldn't trade it for the world at this point. I got tingles from that. (laughs) Thank you. you know what, uh, for the, the viewing audience, let me, let me say something, uh, especially for the guys, because they're supposed to act really, really, really tough and think if it hurts, that means, you know, there's something wrong with, with you. You're not, you're not, cut out for it okay this game is supposed to hurt like if you're not hurting in some way um you're probably not taking enough risk or not working hard enough um it's okay for this to to sting yeah you're gonna have a lot of disappointments throughout it uh keep going but just if you know it's gonna hurt it makes it more bearable yeah
0: Right now in the world of, um, life and stem cells, you know, what is the, what's the dragon you're facing? What are you, what are you up against right now? Oh, there,
1: there's, there's a couple. Yeah. 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 So, um, it's a little bit of the wild west right now with stem cells. Mm -hmm. Um, they're extremely promising. They work in different applications. Uh, But here's what's going on. So there's different doctors that are doing very strange applications with them. They're injecting it into people's eyes and people are going blind because of it, which is probably not the best thing to... to to do to the industry and uh, people are using it for very off-label applications Um, and you know what it's hurting the industry as a whole Mm -hmm. now a a lot of the applications are having very promising results but because it's the wild west right now we don't know what the regulatory uh pathway is going to be for the the industry in general uh, in November 2020 so coming up in a couple months uh, the FDA is going to say hey this is what our stance is on stem cells uh, that's the next great unknown for mm-hmm. the stem cell industry and how it relates to us so that's the the next uh the next cave we have to kind of go explore is what the FDA is going to do with stem cells yeah. and how the, the market is going to shape up. Now we know it's going to be a very very big market with lots of applications Yeah, uh, we just don't know what it's going to look like. That That is the next dragon we face and uh, the next one after that is right now we're a team of, of four people me, John, our operations officer, Rob Kent uh, Andy Tsai, Lane Burke uh, but we're, we're about to grow mm-hmm. uh, so so, who we hire is, but hiring for those people who have never done it before is really a skill in itself. You think you're good at, at, at hiring until you actually do it. Um, it, it really is a dragon to face mm-hmm. because if you hire the wrong person, that could really make a break your your company especially at an early stage so john and i are definitely gonna start that process soon yeah. so who you hire makes your company you know that's the dna of your company uh that, that's that's the next one I've, I've had my own nightmares with hiring the wrong people
0: yeah so you have the regulatory beast uh, uh the fda dragon and then you also have hiring which about hiring is interesting because your, your business is a community of people and that community has a culture, right? And every time you bring in a new person into that community, their values, their beliefs, their assumptions, their everything, habits, come into your fold and then you get a little diluted from that culture, right? You and John know each other intimately and you're intertwined. Definitely. And so, you you know, being... Uh, proactive and cognizant with the culture and must be why uh, uh, Y Combinator also is highly vigilant on okay what is the culture amongst these founders and then how do they make sure that they're not actually inviting in some some um, uh, negative cultures into their own community of Y Combinator people that would affect them as a whole that's a that is a, a, a beast to
1: fight. Yeah, I think uh, this is a quote from Sam Altman. the The first ten people you hire in your company, uh, they're they're almost like co-founders. They're they're that sacred. Yeah. Um. He even said, if you have the choice of losing a customer or hiring a bad person, uh, lose the customer because those first couple hires are just so key. So they great. really do create your culture. Yeah,
0: you're, yeah. It's almost like you're marrying a group of people that you're going to yeah, spend a long, yeah, long time together. Uh, yes. Uh, what's the, you know, what's the Holy grail for you and John Chi with this whole snow life thing? What do you, what are you guys out to see can get?
1: Yeah, let's see. So the big picture, and this is, this is John's vision is mm-hmm. to, to end aging completely. So stem cells is our, our first way into that. And yeah. the best source of that is, is stem cells from, from adipose tissue for, uh, for regenerations of joints. But, uh, we have a couple of tricks up our sleeve to basically, Go into the longevity space, um, so we end aging completely.
0: It's incredible. Um, do you know of any? Um, so, uh, any scientific breakthroughs or anything that's going on in terms of stem cells and reverse aging? Or is there? Because uh, I mean, stem cells. I mean, if you break it down. It's these these cells that can turn into anything, right? Yep. And so. Uh, have you heard of any cases of stem cells being applied for reversing aging or or stopping it or doing things with it or do you know because I know um, have you do you have any because you're deep in that space
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm gonna take some some anecdotal mm. evidence from the cases we've done for the doctors mm. that have uh, shared how the patients are doing the best. I remember there was a lady that that had a meniscus uh, tear in in one of her knees. Yeah. Uh, she worked on a train and the train kind of wobbled and she tore her meniscus in a couple of places, uh, and she could not work for for quite a while. Um, we did the case on her. So mm-hmm. the doctor liposuctioned some fat out of her. We extracted the stem cells. Then they got reinjected where the uh, the meniscus tear was. Um, within a month, month and a half, I believe, uh, that doctor invited us down for a talk that he was giving. And then unbeknownst to us, uh, that patient... Uh, was one of the speakers and she told us the whole story on how she tore her meniscus and she couldn't walk. Mm -hmm. And um, she just said she was, she was absolutely miserable. Then after the stem cell procedure that that we did, uh, she was able to work again. And then she did the standing yoga pose that she wasn't able to do before. And everybody gave her a big standing ovation. So that's one. Um, There's another, patient we did uh, who was a physician himself Mm. uh, that had a an autoimmune disease called myasthenia gravis where basically it attacks your muscles and you you can't do anything you're almost immobile um so we we did the stem cell procedure on him And I think the the stem cells were injected intravenously, so kind of in an IV. Uh, And then a month and a half, two months later, we we had some feedback from the doctor who who sent us a screenshot of the text messages um, saying, hey doc, I wanna let you know that at first I couldn't clean my house I couldn't get up. I couldn't even drive. As a matter of fact, when I used to drive, because of my myasthenia gravis, I got into a very, very bad car accident uh, because I just couldn't move the wheel. Uh, now, after the stem cell procedure, I'm able to clean my house again, and I'm able to play basketball, and I'm able to drive. Wow. Um, so I'll give those two so it's, yeah. so
0: it's not only about extending aging, uh, but it's also a quality of life as you age. Yes. you know, so...
1: Yes. So, so yeah, that, that should be included. When <laughs> I say uh, we're trying to end aging... We're trying to do it while increasing the quality of life or maintaining it. At least you don't want to live forever in some state of pain. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of included in that.
0: Yeah. The whole Walt Disney miss of being like frozen in a block yeah. or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a technical win. you Sure. Know. Okay, great. Uh, ending aging. Do you, I mean, I'm just curious. Do you have any, do you think we'll be able to do it in our lifetime to- uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: The, well, it's hard to put a timeline on it, but I think within our, our, our lifetime, let's see, I'm 34 right yeah. now. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think we'll be living for a very, very long time oh, yes. with, with, uh, with high quality lives. Wow.
0: So, so let's just say, um, you're able to achieve all, all that you're able to want to be able to achieve with this business. Um, and do very well for yourselves. Um, what do you do after? What community do you go back to? How do you, oh, are, what, what kind of, what kind of mentor old hermit do you want to be? What does that look like for you? All right.
1: All right. So I, I do think about that from time to time. you I'm laser focused on uh, executing on Synova Life Sciences. Mm. You know, I don't know. There's so many problems to solve in the world both in the tech and science space and the political space, etc. Yeah. Climate change is still in my opinion, our, our, the biggest threat we have to, to our species. So, um, if there's any way to tackle that, I think that would be the next one. However, my background is now in, in biotech and life sciences. So maybe I should stay in my lane. um,
0: I don't know if Elon and Musk would agree with that. Yeah, I know. I, if I was Elon
1: Musk, I could do whatever I want. That, that's, that's why I mentioned he's just so out of my league. I, yeah. I, I, I hope to be, I don't know, maybe, maybe with a uh, neural link yeah. implant something in my brain well, I'll be able to have the processing power that he does. You yeah. Know what I mean,
0: that's a, a goal for us all. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we will be able to yeah. regenerate the neurons in yeah. uh, yeah. In brains and he'll just kind of, uh, interface with them.
0: Yeah. So, uh, in terms of the community and the mentorships, are you thinking about going back into the life science space and helping, uh, young people and aspirations that way or?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what, since, since this has been kind of my, my niche for the past, what, four years now, I think I'll stay in the, in the life science space, uh, Ending aging and, and, and pushing for longevity um, is just so cool, especially with all the other companies that, that are that are popping up. I'd love to help them in whatever way possible or, or start something else with John or another another team. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. But uh, me, me and John are definitely a dynamic duo, so I'd, yeah. I'd probably stick with him.
0: If you could send out, and this will be the last question, if you could send out a message to a young niche, a... Uh, 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 an adventurer who is about to take his first step into the great unknown of the space. What would be that piece of advice that you would give to them at their time of need? What, what thought or what, what message would you share with them?
1: Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Um, The pain is so temporary. Keep going. Even with all the disappointments, you keep learning and you keep getting better. So keep going.
0: Love it. Keep going.
1: Yeah. Once again, it sounds so cliche, but if I had just quit after I was epically pushed out of my last company, I probably would not be sitting here on this podcast. Yeah. The- Keep going.
0: And I've and I've seen you. You know, it's it's hard to um, practice what you preach, man. But I've seen you struggle. I've seen your strife. I've seen you sleep on those couches. I I've, I've, I've also been to those Silicon Valley uh, you know houses that you you. You know, been a part of, and uh, I've so you you actually do it, and so you know, for anybody out there that's that's listening, like I've I've witnessed you struggle and strife and succeed again and again and again. So you are able to keep going take the hits keep on moving forward and that's something i very much respect about you brother
1: hey thank you so much man thank you for the support all the years
0: yeah and thank you for being on the podcast i really Absolutely. enjoyed it
1: would you mind if i make a plug in for my email for anybody that uh Please. needs help or has any questions yeah. all right anybody listening to this if you guys have any questions for me my email is michellehadad7 at gmail.com m-i-c-h-e-l-h-a-d-d-a-d seven number seven at gmail.com Dylan Watkins, thanks for having me on, man.
0: Thank you, Mish. Very much appreciate it, brother. Have a great day.